going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to have also have some other scriptures on the screen for you as we're going to be jumping around just a little bit today looking at uh, the Holy Spirit. So we started this new series last week, Holy Spirit Come, looking at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does, how He works in our lives, and how we can be walking with Him and following Him on a regular basis. And so um, today we want to be looking at how, we are, how to be filled with that Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Um, and as I was thinking on that, you know, as humans... Every day, uh, we are filled up with all kinds of different stuff. Um, you know, in our hearts, in our minds, in our emotions, in our bodies, we, we get filled with all kinds of things, and it comes out in the way we talk and the way we act. If someone, if someone came up to you and said, hey, I've had it up to here with you, what are they filled with? You can participate. It's okay. Come on. What are they filled with? Anger, right? Like some of y'all parents, like, yeah, I said that this week. I know, okay. You're like, I was filled all the way, like, anger was all the way to the top, is what they're saying. I'm filled up, right? Or if you went up to say someone and you said, man, you are just positively glowing today. You're saying that they're filled with what? Happiness, joy, right? Like something good is coming. And it, it, they're so filled, it's just, it's just like beaming out of them at that point, right? Or if you walked up and you said, hey, I'm, I'm, man, I'm struggling. I'm about to burst into tears right here. They're telling you that they're filled with sadness, right? Like they're so full of sadness, it's about to burst out of their eyeballs. Right? We get filled up with these things. I, mean, I, I, I just don't think I can even go on another day. Filled with despair, right? Depression. Feeling that. My heart's about to beat out of my chest right now. Feared with fear. Filled with fear and anxiety and like there's all these things, and, and we get filled up with all this stuff. But the Bible tells us that as Christians, we're called to, we are able to be filled with something different, something greater. That we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so much so that it's just flowing out of us. And so we're going to look at today on what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because I think a lot of believers, they don't really know what that means exactly, they don't know how that works, what that looks like. And so I want you to ask yourself this question this morning as we're walking through this. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit today? Not your neighbor, not your coworker, your small group leader, not your spouse, not your... No, you personally. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit today? All right? Now, as we dive into this, we're going to see a couple different terms we have to work through. So the first point actually is this. We were baptized with the Spirit baptized with the Spirit. That's different. There's two words here we need to talk about. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some people, some Christians think that those terms are synonymous, and they'll use them interchangeably as they're just different ways to talk about how the Spirit moves in our lives. Other people say, no, no, they're distinct terms, so much distinct that they'll say that, you know, like one of them describes kind of this, this second experience that you have after salvation, right? You get saved, and then later on, this other thing happens, and you, like, you like level up. You're, you're like the next tier Christian at that point, right? Because you had this second spiritual experience in the Holy Spirit. Others will feel like, man, I, I don't even know what this Spirit's all about. I don't know what that looks like, and so let's just toss those terms out. Let's just not even talk about that, and I'll just kind of ignore it altogether. All right, we don't want to do any of that this morning. We want to look at what the scripture says, because both of these terms are in the Bible, and talk about two distinct movements of the Spirit. Both are important, both are vital in the life of the Christian. So we need to understand them and be able to walk in them as God has designed them to function, okay? So, first let's look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this starts for us in Mark chapter 1, 
verse 8. Mark 1, 8. It says, this is John the Baptist talking. He says, I have baptized you with water, water baptism, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the first mention of baptism with the Holy Spirit is from John the Baptist, and he's prophesying that one day in the future, that Jesus is going to baptize all of his believers, all of his followers, with the Holy Spirit. And this statement is so important and so impactful that it's recorded in all four of the Gospels in the New Testament. Right? We have four accounts of Jesus' ministry, right? And if you read the Gospels, you'll notice like a lot of times they have different stories and different things. Very few things are repeated in all four Gospels. This statement is in all four. So this is a big deal, right? And we know it's also a big deal because Jesus is going to talk about it himself later on in Acts chapter 1. Look at this, verse 4 and 5. It says, And while staying with them, the disciples, he, Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. We talked about that last week, right? They say, he said, hey, stay here, don't leave, don't do anything until you get what? What was the promise? The Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit comes, he's like, stay here because you can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. So he says, all right, wait for the promise of the Father. And then he says this, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Right? So Jesus here, he's affirming exactly what John prophesied uh, beforehand. That his followers were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in the near future. And furthermore, he says that this baptism of the Holy Spirit is somehow tied to him leaving and going back to the Father. Right? And so that the promised Holy Spirit can come in this process. So Jesus, he's explaining here to his disciples without spelling it out for him, that they're about to enter into a new chapter, a new age of salvation history, right? Where Jesus is no longer going to be the primary player on the earth when it comes to the Trinity, but the Holy Spirit is going to be the primary way that God works and moves in his people and in the earth and in through his church in this next chapter. And we see this play out, we see this first baptism of the Holy Spirit come at what we call Pentecost. Right? 120 disciples of Jesus, they're all gathered together, they're in the upper room, they're praying, they're waiting on the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus said, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes down, and there's fire, and there's wind, and the Holy Spirit comes and he indwells all of the believers that are there. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and lives inside of them now. Right? They received the Holy Spirit in that way. And then out of that experience, they go out and they start preaching the gospel to all these people in Jerusalem. And we have in Scripture recorded the first ever sermon from Peter, Jesus' top disciple, biggest screw-up and the biggest comeback. It's all about Peter. He comes out and he preaches the first gospel message. And listen to what he says in verse 38 of chapter 2. It says, And Peter said to them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now this is so critical to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit right here, is that Peter says, all right, here's how it works. First, repent. All right? I'll just tell you this morning, the gospel always starts with repent. Repent of your sins, turn to Jesus, let him save you from your sins, and then he says, be baptized. That's water baptism there. He's like, be baptized as an outward sign of your inward faith. To repent, be baptized, so that you have forgiveness 
of your sins. Because when you put your faith in Jesus, he forgives your sins by the work that he did on the cross, and he takes away your sin and covers it with his blood. So, so what Peter's describing here is salvation. Right? That's what we call salvation today. Repent, believe, be saved. That's what he says. He says, and when you do that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's part of the salvation experience. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes and he baptizes us, he comes and he lives inside of us, he indwells us from that point forward. That's what Peter's describing here. And notice he says, you will receive, right? So not only is it tied to salvation, it's not a separate experience. You don't get baptized later after you're saved. It happens at salvation. But also, it's a passive thing. We don't baptize ourselves. We don't go and get the baptism. We don't pursue it or earn it or try to, no, we just receive it. We don't do anything. We put our faith in Jesus, and then God does everything else. He baptizes us. He sends the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. We just receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a passive thing for us. In fact, when you look in Scripture, nowhere, say nowhere. All right, just make sure you're with me. Nowhere in God's Word are we ever called or told to pursue baptism of the Holy Spirit, to earn baptism of the Holy Spirit, to achieve baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just something that we receive from God at salvation. Paul confirms this further in some of his letters. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. He says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So again, Paul's language here is passive, right? That, that we were all baptized. So like someone else did it. We just received the baptism. And notice it's past tense. Not, hey, you need to be baptized, or hey, it's coming. He says, no, you already were baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you believed in Jesus, you were baptized through the Holy Spirit. And the best part is, he says, for in one spirit we were all baptized. See, baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every single believer of Jesus Christ. It's not just for like, you know, super spiritual people or pastors or certain denominations or certain churches. It's for everyone who believes in Jesus, we receive and are baptized with the Holy Spirit at salvation. Paul confirms it further in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. He says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So again, what's he talking about here? He's talking about salvation. Right? When you heard the gospel, when you believed, when you were saved, he says you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So he says when you believed, when you put your faith in Jesus, you were sealed. The word sealed there means like permanently bonded, like binding, like it can't be changed, it can't be taken away, it can't be lost. You are sealed, he says, with the Holy Spirit. Because when you put your faith in Jesus... The Holy Spirit comes to live in you forever. You can't ever lose the Holy Spirit. You can't lose your salvation. You can't lose the Holy Spirit. He says here he's the guarantee. He is God's guarantee. We just sang songs about how faithful God is, right? 
That's because when he comes, he guarantees that we will see an inheritance with him in heaven. The Holy Spirit is like a down payment. He's saying, just hold on to this deposit for now, and one day, this is guaranteeing that you're going to get all of it when you come into my presence. The way you know that you're saved, I get this question all the time. How do you know for sure? You know if you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. If you have received the Holy Spirit, if he is living inside of you, then you're saved. That's your guarantee. Paul says that's your seal. Not anything else. Right? Water baptism does not guarantee you anything with God. Now, should you be baptized? Yes, absolutely. We're having a baptism service in two weeks. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus and you have not went through water baptism, you need to do that. Jesus commands it. He says this is an outward sign of your inward faith. It's a testimony that you're a follower. You need to do that. In fact, if you haven't done it and you're following Jesus, come see me right after service. But that does not guarantee that you're saved. Raising your hand at an altar call, praying a prayer, even if it's the prayer the pastor prayed, walking down an aisle, that doesn't guarantee you anything. Being a member of a church doesn't guarantee you anything. Giving, serving, all the things, they're all good, they're all great. We're all supposed to do all of those things as we follow Christ. But they're not the guarantee. The guarantee is that you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. That's how you know. You're sealed, he says, with the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus promised, when I go away, I'm going to send him. And our reception of the Holy Spirit is a reminder that Jesus is faithful to his promises and that he will save us through his blood. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're, we are, um, we're a couple years out now from COVID, supposedly, depending on who you talk to. And there were some good things and there were some bad things that happened in COVID, for sure. But one of the great things that happened is that you can pretty much order anything you want online now, right? You got everything at your fingertips. Everybody has the online thing going. Like, it's, it's, it's just a done deal. The downside to that is now I can never remember which websites and which companies I have accounts with and which ones I don't. I, I have no idea. I can't remember. Have I ordered from you? Have I not ordered from you? Like, I went this week to order some food for a church event, and I thought, I'm, I, I've never used them before, so I fill out the whole form. You have to, you know, give them all your information, sign the whole thing. I hit submit, and I get an error. I'm like, error? They're like, you already have an account. In other words, you don't need to do this again. Right? I'm like, I do. I don't remember that at all. They're like, no, no, you have an account. We've got you. You've already got an account with us. You've already got a status here. You're good to go. For the Christian, that's baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's God saying, hey, hey, you're good. You've already done this. I've already given you my spirit. You're good. You have an account with me. You have a status with me. You are in. You don't ever have to do this again. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is one time at salvation. All believers have been baptized in the Spirit and secured their place in heaven. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is you. One baptism, secure. 
forever. So that's baptism of the Holy Spirit. Point number two, though, is be filled with the Spirit. This is a little bit different. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse now. Chapter 5, verse 18 now. And it says this. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a whole lot going on in this one verse, okay? But it starts with this. He says, do not get drunk, right? Now, at first, that might sound like just like a moral imperative, right? Like, hey, don't do this. It's a sin, which it is, all right? Let me just tell you this morning, drunkenness, sin, Bible says don't do it. But that's not Paul's main point here. That's not, what he's, that's, not what he's, that's not what he's getting at. He's using drunkenness here as a word picture, right? He's saying, hey, to be drunk means to be intoxicated. It means to be totally consumed by something, totally controlled by something outside of your normal self, right? That's what drunkenness is. And today, drunkenness could show up in lots of different forms. It's not just alcohol. It could be alcohol. You could be controlled by that. You could be controlled by nicotine. You could be controlled by marijuana or other drugs. You could be controlled by money, right? How much you have or how much you don't have. And that consumes you and controls your thoughts. You could be controlled by approval of others. Always needing those compliments, right? Always needing those likes, making sure that people are good with you. Some people are controlled by their appearance, always having to to look a certain way and feel a certain way and and compare themselves with others. You could be controlled by attention, always wanting to focus on you, trying to make people laugh, trying to get that that attention from others. It could be all kinds of things. Paul says, whatever it is, he says, don't be controlled by any of those worldly things. Don't let those things control you But instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And the word but there could also be translated rather or instead of, right? So instead of being drunk on alcohol or whatever else, he says, why don't you be drunk on the Spirit? That's what Paul's saying. Hey, get drunk on the Spirit. Be controlled by Him. Be consumed by Him. Be filled up. Be so filled with the Holy Spirit that it controls everything that you do. That's the picture he's given us here. And in that command, which it is a command, to be filled with the Spirit, there's, there's several different pieces we need to understand. The first is, part of it, part of that command is on us. There's a part that it's, that it's on us. He says, be filled. Right? That be is an action he's telling us to do. So there's something that we have to do in order to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. We have to, do, we have to go into action. So there's our part, but then there's also God's part. Because I don't know about you, but I don't have any like, like extra jars of the Holy Spirit in my pantry at home. Right? So I, I can't like take it and like fill myself. Like I can't, can't go and get that and just fill myself with the Holy Spirit. Right? The only person that can fill us with the Holy Spirit is God himself. And so we have to do something. We have to be filled, but then he has to be the one who does the filling. So there's our part. We pursue filling of the Holy Spirit. And then God does his part, and he's the one who actually fills us with the Spirit as we pursue it. So there's our part, there's God's part. And also, when we look at here, you can't quite tell it in the English, but in the Greek, this is a plural command. Okay? Meaning he's saying, hey, not just you be filled and you be filled. He's saying, 
all of you be filled with the Spirit. All of you Ephesians, all, everyone in the Ephesian church, and by extension, everyone in the church at all, all believers, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just for spiritually elite people. It's not for the professional Christians, right? It's not just for certain churches. or It's, it's for every single believer of Jesus Christ. He says, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Also, the, the verb there in the Greek is what we call the present tense, which means that it's a continuous action. It's not a one-time thing. You could say it like this, be being filled, or be continuously filled. Be filled again, and again, and again, and again. It happens multiple times. The theological term for this is one baptism, many fillings. That's the way we say it, right? There's one baptism of the Holy Spirit at salvation, one baptism, but then throughout our life, as we follow Christ, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again. That's what Paul's talking about here. Now, some biblical examples for this to kind of sh- to illustrate for you what we're talking about. We'll go to Acts chapter 2. So this is where, again, the, all the disciples are in the upper room. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes down, fire, and the wind, and the tongues, and the whole thing. And they, they receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. But then, after they received the Holy Spirit, in verse 4, it says this. And they were, filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so, in this moment, God gave them a special filling of the Holy Spirit, and they all went out and they started to preach the gospel, but not just any gospel, they preached it in other languages. Languages that they didn't know before. Languages of all the people who were visiting Jerusalem during this time for Holy, Holy Week. right? And so, they, they experienced this supernatural power of the Holy Spirit filling them for this special work of God to go out and preach the gospel, and thousands of people are saved. So first, they're filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Then we go to Acts chapter 4, verse 31, just a, a little bit later. It says, and, they, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. At this point, the church is being persecuted, and people are being put to death, and all kinds of crazy things are happening. And so they're praying, hey, God, give us boldness to keep preaching the gospel. He says, hey, no problem. I'll fill you with the Spirit again. And they went out, and they kept preaching the word in the face of persecution. They were filled with God's power to do another work of the Lord for his mission and for his kingdom. What's also interesting about this particular example is it says the place in which they were gathered, the room, the building they were in, that it was shaken when the Holy Spirit came and filled them. We call this the manifest presence of God. There are certain times where God's people are gathered together in worship, in prayer, seeking his face, and he comes down through the Holy Spirit in a special, unique way. And the power of God is so present in that place and in the hearts of believers that it can make physical things happen. In this case, the place was shaken. And this is a great example, because I have times why people ask me, Michael, like, why do we sing songs about the Holy Spirit, asking him to come and meet with us and come and fill us and come and be here if we already have him, right? If I'm, if I'm already saved, Holy Spirit's already living in me, plus God's omnipresent, he's all places at all times. Like, 
Why do we need to ask him to come if he's already here? It's because we're asking for this. We're asking for the manifest presence of God to come and meet with us when we gather together, when we seek his face. Because when that happens, God does supernatural, miraculous, powerful things. In our lives, and in our church, in our community, and Lord, that is what we want. Every week, if he'll give it to us, that is what we want. That the Holy Spirit would come and fill us again and fill us again so that we can go out in the power of God and do the work of God. And so we pray like they prayed and we ask for the Spirit. We see a similar pattern show up in Paul's life as well. So in Acts chapter 9, Paul is out, he's heading to Damascus, he's persecuting Christians, he's trying to put them in jail, he's trying to murder them, he's trying to shut down this whole Christianity thing. Jesus shows up on the scene, reveals himself to Paul. Paul's like, oh, you're the Lord. All right, I'm going to worship you now. And he gives his life to Christ and he submits to Jesus in that moment and he gets saved and receives the Holy Spirit. But problem, he's still blind. Right? And so he goes to the city, he has to wait three days and finally God sends somebody to help him. And in verse 17 it says this. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, God comes and he fills Paul with a fresh pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And the next verse says that immediately, Paul went out and started preaching the gospel. Immediately. Because he had the power of the Holy Spirit working in him to do this miraculous work. The same gospel he was just persecuting and trying to shut down and killing people for he's now out there preaching it because the holy spirit has filled him with the power of god and then it happens again in chapter 13 verse 9 it says but saul who was also called paul filled with the holy spirit second time filled with the holy spirit looked intently at him he's dealing with a false teacher in this scene and he's like needing the power of god to rebuke this guy and to deal with this whole situation But the point is, Paul's filled a second time with the Holy Spirit. And so we see that the the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's not once, it's multiple times as we walk with the Lord and as we follow Him. And most of the time when we see filling of the Holy Spirit happen, it's really about power. It's about God sending an extra dose of His power to the heart and to the life of the believer so that we can go forward and do something He's called us to do for His glory and for His mission. Because here's the real truth guys we talked about this last week too when it comes to the mission of god when it comes to the purposes of god we can never do that we can never achieve those with our own power it doesn't work jesus told us last week we can do what nothing without the holy spirit nothing and so we need the power of god in order to do the works of god and that happens through being filled with the Spirit. Ze- uh, Zechariah 4, 6, this is the Old Testament. He's already talking about it. He says, hey, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. You want to do a work for me? You want to do something great? You want to keep going? You need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin in your life, to convert lost people to faith in Jesus, to make disciples and keep growing people in the faith, to sacrificially serve, to give, 
to, to walk through hardship and suffering like Jesus did. To do any of that, we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We need to be filled. We need to be saturated. We need to be totally controlled, totally influenced. We need to be drunk on the Holy Spirit so much that it controls everything that we do. That we submit to Him in all of it. You know, um, my wife and I, we tend to host quite a few different events and parties and things at our house. We'll have, we have small group every week. We have um, ministry events, that, you know, leaders and things over. We'll have, we have a big families. So we'll have parties, birthday parties and holidays and all kind of stuff. And so we're used to hosting people in our house, and we love to do that. Um, but I say we pretty loosely because, um, honestly, she's the host, right? I'm just, I'm just the grunt work, right? She, she's, she makes all the great food, and she makes everything look pretty, and she's the one who's nice to everyone. And she, like, she, does, she does the hosting. I, like, pull the chairs up from the basement, right, and, like, put the leaves in the table and take out the trash. And I do all the stuff to, so, that she, so that we can do the, the, the party, right? Well, one of the things that we like to do is we like to have sweet tea as a drink option. Everybody likes sweet tea, right? And so my wife will make the sweet tea on the stove, and she gets it all prepped, and she does all the hard work, and then my job is just to take the tea and just pour it in the pitcher, right? And so I fill the pitcher up, get the tea in there, set it over by the drinks, and pretty soon the party's going, and people are getting their drinks, and they're getting the thing. And what happens pretty soon? Everybody's like getting the, doing this, and all of a sudden this is empty again. Right? So what do I, what do I got to do? I got to fill it up again. And people keep drinking, and they drink their tea, and they drink the tea, and I got to fill it up again. And I got to fill it up again. In order for this to serve its purpose, it has to keep getting filled up. That's the picture that Paul's giving us for the Christian and the Holy Spirit. In order for you to serve your purpose, in order for you to do what God's called you to do, You've got to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. And as you walk it out, and as you start to do what God's called you to do, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be pouring yourself out. And pretty soon you're going to get empty again. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. And again. And again. To keep serving that purpose. Every single believer. Every single believer. All believers need to be continuously filled with the Spirit to walk in His power. It's not a one-time thing. Baptism, that's a one-time thing. You receive the Holy Spirit, you're guaranteed, you're sealed, you're good. Filled every day to keep walking in ministry with the Lord. So, we got it now. Everybody's good. I understand that baptism, filling, need to be filled. Got it. But now you're thinking, okay, great. How do I be filled with the Spirit? You guys ask just the best questions, okay? That's point number three. Point number three, how to be filled with the Spirit. Three steps that we see in Scripture, okay? Number one, confess. It starts with confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, we, we understand from God's Word that sin separates us from a holy God. It's like a giant wall that gets built up between us and God. And we can't get to him and he can't get to us because sin is blocking his path. And therefore, when we have sin in our heart, when we have unconfessed, unrepentant sin, we're filled up with sin. Guess what we can't be filled up with? 
Holy Spirit. First, we've got to get rid of that. We've got we to purge that. We've got to confess our sins and let God forgive us of our sins and tear down that wall so that there's a path for the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us up again. It all comes back to the gospel. It comes back to me understanding and believing that I'm a sinner. That I have rebelled against God. I have violated his word. I have broken his rules. I have turned against the holy God of the universe. Because of that, I deserve wrath and punishment. Hell. But God, out of his infinite love and graciousness towards us, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to send you some help. And he sent his son to earth to be born as a man, to live a perfect and sinless life. And then he chose, he chose to go to the cross and to die a sinner's death. To stand in my place. Take the death that I deserved. Take the punishment that was on me for my sin. He paid for all of it on the cross, and he went to the grave, and then three days later he rose back to life to prove that he was God and to say, if you will turn from your sin and believe in me, I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will wash away all of that sin so that you can be with God again. I'll tear down that wall. Some of you need to understand this morning that once you're forgiven by God, you are forgiven forever. Every sin. Say every this morning. Some of y'all don't believe this. I know, because we have conversations. I'm like, you don't believe it? Every sin you have ever committed in the past, every sin you commit right now in the present, and every sin you will ever commit in the future was already paid for, already forgiven on the cross of Jesus Christ. Once you put your faith in him, you are forgiven, period. But 1 John 1, 9 tells us we still have to confess our sin. Because forgiveness is forever, but cleansing is daily. He's already agreed. He's already decided to forgive that sin. You just have to confess it to him, and then he will apply that forgiveness to your heart and cleanse you of that sin. And so every day when we sin, which we do, <laughs> every day when I sin, I have to go back to God and say, God, I confess this sin to you, and he cleanses me again. And he cleanses me again. And he cleanses me again. As I confess, he cleanses me and he tears down the wall and that opens up the path for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me again. It starts with confession. If it was party time at the Mathis house and Courtney said, hey, can you, uh, can you put the tea in the pitcher for me? And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. And I took the lid off. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pour this in, this in this pitcher right now. If I pour this in here right now, what's going to happen? going to go all over the place. Why? There's a lid. All right? You're like, doofus, you got to take the lid off, right? How do I take the lid off? I confess. And when I confess my sin, God removes that barrier. And now I'm, I'm open and I'm ready to receive. I'm ready for him to pour in the Holy Spirit to my life. But I have to confess and take that lid off. Take that barrier away. So first step is to confess. Step number two 
is to ask. Luke 11, verse 11 through 13 says this, What father among you, if his son asks him for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, he's like, even you bad, imperfect, evil fathers know how to give good gifts. Like, all right, thanks, God. Appreciate that. How much more will the perfect heavenly Father give the perfect gift of the Holy Spirit to his kids when they ask? He gives it to us first in salvation when we ask him to save us from our sins and he, he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and he comes to live inside of us and then he continues to fill us with the Spirit and give us the Spirit over and over and over again as we confess our sin and ask him to fill us afresh. That's the work of, that's the work of sanctification. That every day, every moment as we're walking with Jesus, we're confessing sin and we're asking for his help and he's filling us again and again and again with the Spirit. But here's the catch. He only gives the Spirit to those who ask. He won't force it on you. You have to ask. And ask again. And ask again. And keep asking. And not because He wants to hear it or because He wants to torture you, but He wants you to remember that every time you ask for the Spirit, that it's not your power that's carrying you through. Every time I ask, I'm admitting, I'm remembering that I'm dependent on God and His power and His Spirit, and He's the one doing the work, and I'm just the vessel He's working through. He wants us to keep talking to Him. He wants us to keep dependent on Him as we ask for the Spirit over and over and over again. Again, this is a great picture, right? And it's ready for tea. It's, it's ready to go. Serve the party. But is it going to do any good like this? No, it's empty. But as soon as Courtney says, hey, can you fill that pitcher up with the tea? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm on it, right? I got, I got it. We're going to drink some tea tonight. And so I am pouring this tea all up in this pitcher because we want this pitcher filled all the way to the top for the party, right? We want it to be a good night. Everybody get their sweet tea. We want this thing filled up to the top. And every time we come and we confess our sin, we take that lid off and we ask Jesus to fill us with the Holy Spirit again. He doesn't just give us a little bit down here. He fills us all the way up with the Holy Spirit so that we can go and serve our purpose. But we have to ask. Otherwise, it just stays empty. Confess, ask, and then number three is yield. Yield. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. In verse 19 it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Paul says, hey, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, because when you put your faith in Jesus, guess what? The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. You are now his new home, which means that you are now his temple. He lives there. 
And because he lives there, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins, he redeemed you. He bought you back for the Father. You now belong to God. You're no longer in charge. He is. Right? And the Spirit living inside you is proof of his authority and his control in your life. And then here's his conclusion. He says, so glorify God in your body. Now, for context, just prior to this, he was talking to the Corinthians, and he said, hey, y'all are using your bodies for all the wrong stuff, right? You're, you're doing all the sinful stuff. You're using your body for all these different things. Stop it, right? Right now, you're making your bodies a temple of sin and the flesh and desires. You're yielding control to the, to the flesh and to the sinful desires that are in your heart. He says, instead... You need to yield yourself to God, to glorify Him, the one who saved you, the one who lives inside of you, the one who paid the price for your sin. Stop yielding to sin and start yielding to the Holy Spirit. That's when God can fill you up and use you and move you for His power. Again, if I go back to our picture, if it's party time, according says, hey, I need you to get that picture and fill it with the tea. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, last week there was a drip from the drain under the sink, and I need it. And so I'm, I, the pitcher is underneath there catching all the drain water, you know, the dirty drain water. She's going to be like, first of all, why are you using my pitcher for drain water? Right? We, got, we got bowls. We got all kinds of stuff around here. But, but it, it's, it's helping. It's doing its thing. It's serving a purpose. She's like, no, no, I have a better purpose for the pitcher. It needs to serve our guests. If I go and I get the pitcher out from underneath the sink and it's full of dirty drain water and I grab the tea and I get ready to pour it in, is that going to work? No. First of all, it's not going to fit. It's going to overflow. Second of all, it's going to be some nasty tea. Don't nobody want to drink that, right? First thing I got to do is pour it all out. I got to clean it up. I got to get it ready. And then it can be filled to serve its purpose. But it can't serve both purposes at once. It can't be a drip catcher and a party server at the same time. It's got to be one or the other. You can't serve your purposes and the purposes of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and serve the Lord at the same time. You've got to yield to one or the other. Confess, ask, and yield. I can be filled with the Spirit to fulfill God's mission. You. You, not just the pastor. You can be filled with the Spirit of God to fulfill His mission. Every single one of you. Some of you are like, I don't have much to offer. I'm just barely figuring out my own life right now. I got all kinds of problems. You don't even know what's happening at home. I get it. If Jesus only ever used perfect people for the mission, it would go nowhere. He fills us, the broken and the messed up and the sinful. And when we confess and we ask, he comes and he fills us up with the Spirit and we yield to him and he uses us for greater mission and for greater purposes in his kingdom. But we have to do the process. It's a simple process. It's not easy, but it's simple. Confess, ask, yield. So I ask you again, ask yourself today, am I filled 
with the Holy Spirit today, right here, now. And that's not just a question for Sundays, right? If Sunday's the only day you're getting the Spirit, that's a problem, all right? This is a question that we need to be asking ourselves every single day as we follow Christ. Every day, have I confessed my sin and gotten clean? Have I asked him to fill me with the Holy Spirit afresh today? Because I need more of him today than I had yesterday. And am I yielding to his purpose and his will in my life? This is how we are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And every single one of us needs this. We need this to follow Jesus. Stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this time together this morning in worship and in your presence again and afresh. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending him into our hearts at salvation and sealing us for that great day when you're going to return and take us home. But right now, Lord, while we're still here, while we're still on this earth, Lord, we ask that you would fill us afresh with your spirit and your power today. As we turn from sin, as we yield to God, God, fill us with the Holy Spirit again and again and again so we can serve you, so we can serve your mission. Lord, it's all for you. It's all for your glory, God. Fill us up. Fill us up. In Christ's name we pray.